Welcome to this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Isaac, and I'm so thankful that you chose to join in for this episode because we are in the third part of our series titled Pursuit. 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as an entire church, we've been going through this series together. And it's all about setting things aside that are valuable to us or that kind of have a hold on our hearts so that we can really press into prayer with the Lord and press into that time with Him in a better way. And so it really has been a huge privilege to be able to do this as a church. And I hope that you've been able to do it with us. And if you haven't, you can go back to the first part of this series and you can even start your 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so today we actually are continuing on with our uh, series and we're looking at this really fun subject and the title of the message is called God of Miracles. So in the Bible, God worked miracles after his people prayed and fasted. And so the question is, can he still work a miracle in your life? Pastor Dave is going to answer this question and more in part three of our series, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And so we're really hoping that this episode of the podcast is a blessing to you and that you find yourself encouraged and challenged to take your next steps with Jesus. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode titled God of Miracles. Well, I hope the last 21 days or the last 14 days have been a blessing. This is our last week of the 21 day of prayer and fasting and just hearing some of the stories about what God's doing in your heart. I hope that as we sang that it is well with your soul, that you're finding rest in your soul as a result of spending more time with Jesus every day and maybe even doing some fasting. Hey, I want to start out today's sermon with some trivia. So if you know the answer to this, just shout it out. And whoever gets the most right gets to fast this week, all right? So here's the first one. This is 1980. This is the U.S. hockey team defeated the Soviets. This was known as the miracle on ice. All right, this one's tougher. Who knows this one? Yeah, Miracle at the Meadowlands. I was a Giants fan because whoever said that was real depressed when they said that. I'm sorry, Giants fan, for the uh, Eagles salt to be even more poured into your wounds. How about this one? Miracle Whip. Next. Miracle Noodle. How about this one? Miracle Grow. You're sensing a theme here. How about this one? Miracle mile. Sometimes we use phrases like this, it's a miracle. Oh my goodness, you're on time. It's a miracle. Oh my goodness, you passed that test. It's a miracle, right? We use that term in a sarcastic way. And so this word miracle gets thrown out quite a bit, gets thrown around quite a bit, and we use it loosely at times. But today we're going to use it in a serious way. We're going to look at the true definition or the biblical definition of the word miracle as defined by Dave Patterson, who wrote the book Pursuit 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Here's how he defined the word miracle. It's an unusual event, right? Because if it were usual, it would not be a miracle. So it's unusual. It releases supernatural power to confirm the gospel that you are a sinner in need of a savior and Jesus has paid the price for you. So the question I have for you this morning is, are you in need of a miracle? Are you in need of a miracle? Maybe it's a relational miracle. Maybe it's a healing, financial miracle. Maybe there's somebody that you love, somebody in your household, a good friend who's in need of a miracle. Um, hold on to that desire 
for a miracle, and we're going to talk about what to do with that today, what to do with this desire, this strong desire to see a breakthrough for God to do something that is unusual, that releases supernatural power and confirms the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the text that we're going to look at today is 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This happens in 872 B.C., in the nation of Judah. So if we look at our map, the the northern part was Israel, the southern part is Judah, and there is an army, the Ammonites, who get together with the Edomites, and they make their way to En Gedi, which is just about 25 miles south of Jerusalem, the capital city where King Jehoshaphat rules. Um, En Gedi is quite a beautiful place. I actually visited it this time of year two times. This is what it looks like. It's it's amazing. It's warm. It's like, you know, you just sit underneath a waterfall and get refreshed. It's, it's quite a beautiful place. For those of you who've been around the Bible, you know, you know King David actually fled from King Saul, and he spent time in En Gedi because it was kind of out of the way. There were rocks, there were narrow spaces, and it was easy for him to get away. And it was a place of refreshment. So these armies, the Ammonites, the Meunites and the Moabites have gathered together 25 miles away, and they are coming after Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. And so naturally, Jehoshaphat is alarmed, or he's he's quite literally terrified, as you would be too, if you can imagine just right now that there's an army outside of this building of hundreds, maybe even thousands of soldiers ready to take us out. Or if you're watching online, you can picture being at home and there's a massive army that is outside of your home getting ready to destroy you. So alarmed, Jehoshaphat has to come up with a plan. And instead of gathering his military generals or sharpening his swords, he inquires of the Lord. And as he goes before the Lord, the Lord tells him to fast. And so he proclaims a fast for all of Judah. People give up food for a certain period of time. We don't know how long this period is, but they give up food in order to seek God that he will do a miracle, okay? So quick little illustration. Last Saturday night, I'm sitting on a couch with my boys. They're watching football, and I'm getting ready for Sunday morning, and my boots are in need of some shining, right? So I pull out some, some shoe polish, which is like 3 or $4 at Walmart, and I'm thinking this is going to be easy. So I, I try to open the can, and I can't open it on my own strength. And I'm starting to, like, get sweaty because I'm getting so angry that I can't open this thing. And then I, get, I go to the toolbox, and I get a little tool, and I try to open it, but that won't work. And so I go back out to the garage, and I get another tool, and I try that, and it, it still won't work. I, I cannot get this thing up. Some guy after the first service, he comes up to me. And he goes, you know, you just need to take that little tab and turn it, and it opens. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you think I'm that stupid that I didn't try to do that little? Anyway, I tried that. I tried everything. I could not get, and I'm just frustrated, right? I'm I'm embarrassed to tell you what kind of tools I use to try to get this open. But finally, I got the biggest screwdriver that I have and the biggest hammer that I had. And I said, Daniel, get over here. And he, look how little this thing is. And he grabs it. And I just whacked it with the screwdriver, and I I had a breakthrough. And look how shiny my boots are today, because I was able to access the healing power of the shoe polish. Now, the reason I tell you that story is because, 
You know, when it comes to our need for a breakthrough or you want to see a miracle, oftentimes we go to like the little tool, which is, I'll just say a 10 second prayer, or I'll go get some advice. Maybe I'll read a book. Maybe I'll ask somebody else, please pray for me. But that big tool that we're longing to get a breakthrough, that big tool that is fasting, that's kind of been on the shelf collecting dust, is oftentimes the tool that we need to pull out to experience the breakthrough that we long to experience. So the people come before Jehoshaphat and they're like, I don't know what to do, but we need a breakthrough. So the text tells us that the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him which is in some ways, that's the reason that you're here today. Many of you who showed up in this place to seek the Lord in part because you want to experience that, what we just sang about it as well with my soul. You want to experience God doing something new in your heart and maybe you want to experience a true miracle. So as these people are gathered together, Jehoshaphat, the king, he stands up at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Nobody can withstand you. Not the God of the Emonites, not the God of the Meunites, not the God of the Amorites, not the God of the Termites, those little things that always drive me crazy, right? You are the God in heaven. You're not just our God in Judah, right? You're the God of all the nations. You're the God of all the people. You are sovereign and you have the ability to get rid of these people so that they don't destroy us. So God, can you judge them? Because we got no power to face this vast army that is coming against us. You know, sometimes it's okay to pray someone away. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you pray for someone's heart, God, would you change their heart? Or you might have a a small conversation with someone, uh, and there comes a time where it's like, okay, this isn't working. God, will you remove this person from my life? Like, if you're a dad and you have a daughter, and she's dating someone that you don't really approve of, you've been there where you just pray that this guy will go away. I have tried to talk to him. He is, he's not right in the head. God, will you just... We just remove, or maybe you just have a coworker or somebody who you've tried and it's just, uh, or your kid's getting bullied by someone. Sometimes it's okay to just pray that person away so that you can get some peace. This is exactly what the people of Judah are praying. They're saying, God, this is a great prayer. You might want to memorize this prayer. It's easy because you can, it rhymes. He says, he says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I have no idea what to do. We are desperate, but our eyes are upon you. So God, if you don't come through, we're dead. We're toast. We're going to lose our nation. So all of the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, they stood there before the Lord. So I want us to just try this for a second, okay? Let's all just stand up for a moment, just a moment. Everybody stand up. 
And I want you to, again, imagine that there is an army outside of us. If you're online, just imagine an army outside of your home. And you are desperate for a miracle. You're desperate for God to do something. And everybody is just silent saying, God, will you speak? Will you do something? Will you say something? And so here's everybody in the nation standing up saying, God, speak. And then all of a sudden, you can go ahead and have a seat. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. So this is what God would oftentimes do in the Old Testament. God would, through his Holy Spirit, come upon certain people. In this case, it was a prophet by the name of Jahaziel. God had this system whereby one person wouldn't have too much power So even though the king had absolute political power, God divided the power and gave his spirit to other people who would speak on God's behalf. So this man stands up. This is a true prophet from God. And he says to all of the people in the midst of their fear, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. The battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. For some of you, that's the message you came to hear this morning. You've been trying. You've had those imaginary conversations with yourself. You've tried to manipulate certain, certain situations. You've made posts. You've sent, it out. You've sent out texts. And this message for you this morning is it is, it is the Lord's battle. And you need to pause and you need to give it over to him. So let me illustrate this. I, I think I told you this story years ago, but we have some, some new people around here. When I was uh, like 10 or 11 years old, I had, had an anger problem. It's still a struggle for me to this day, but I feel like God's miraculously healed me because when I was like 10 or 11, my dad took me to his friend's house one day and sat me down on a chair and said to his friend, I don't know what to do with David. Can you give me some help? And I, I'll just never forget being there, all awkward, like this is just weird, you know, what, what do I do? And it was right around this season of life, again, 10 or 11 years old, where there was a bully up the street. His name was Marcus. And in my head, Marcus was like Goliath. He's like eight feet tall with big muscles, and he was a little bit crazy in the head. And he kind of picked on people throughout the block, Right. And this was during a season where I was kind of struggling with anger. And to make it worse, I was, for some reason, I was a Detroit Pistons fan. And I had this white t-shirt with all the Detroit Pistons. They were called the bad boys at the time, I guess, because they always fought, right? And so one day, I'm walking down the street with my buddy Jeremy and my buddy Joe, right? And they're beside me. And here comes Marcus. And Marcus started picking on my friend Joe, And for some reason, I went up to Marcus and I punched him in the face. And I I even remember like seeing this, I could see the side of his cheek right now. And he turned to me with fire in his eyes. And I'm telling you, man, he beat me up that day. And my t-shirt went from a white t-shirt. He like pulled it over my face and it went from a white t-shirt to a red t-shirt. And even years later, I'm like, well, where was Joe? Like, where was Jeremy? Where were my other friends that showed up? They were like, the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm out of here, man. Like, see, here's the thing. Sometimes we get too busy picking fights. We have no business picking. 
Sometimes we get a little too aggressive when we try to put things in our own hands. And God's like, you got to let me fight this battle because there are some things going on. It's, it's a spiritual battle that's on a different plane. It's, a, it's not a physical battle where you can go out and start swinging. It's a spiritual battle. Paul says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it gets, it's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil against the heavenly realms. It's an unseen battle. It's in a different plane. So God provides us with different weapons. Paul calls it weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And the weapon that we're talking about today is prayer and fasting. It's that weapon that maybe has been on the top shelf that's collecting dust and it's time for you to pull it out and start doing some battling. Okay, the next part of this account is really interesting. And when I first read it, I'm like, that's weird. Why would, why would they tell him to do that? So Jahaziel, moment of desperation, he says, all right, tomorrow... I want you to march down against them. It's like, why would he tell them to do that? I thought that the battle was the Lord's. I thought I could sit back on my leather couch drinking Mountain Dew, and then when God zaps them, I'd get a text message saying, yeah, they're all dead, and then I could go back to my program. Like, you, you want us to march down? You want us to actually get up and do something? Yeah, he says, look, they'll be climbing up, by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. And the people are like, I don't want to find them. I want you to find them and you to take care of them, and I can just sit back. Now, why does God tell them to do that? Now, we don't know exactly why, because the scripture doesn't tell us, but I have an idea. It's because oftentimes God asks us to take steps of faith. Because courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing in the midst of fear. And God wants to see if we have enough faith to be obedient. Remember that scene in Indiana Jones where there's like the chasm and he's got to like take that big step. Even though he doesn't know what's going to happen, he's got to have faith. It might mean that you have to go have the conversation even though you're not sure what you're going to say. It might mean that you got to make a move and just trust God. But oftentimes, he asks us to take that initial step. And what's the initial step that he might be asking you to take? So Friday night, I was hanging out with some friends, and we're driving in the, the vehicle, and she goes, hey, she's part of the church, and she says, you know, we've been doing this 21 days of fasting, and this past week, someone in my office had been struggling with headaches, and so... I decided to just pray for her. She prayed for her. And I think it was maybe the next day, a couple of days later, she calls her up and she says, I don't know if you were doing voodoo or what, but my headaches are gone. Right? That's a step of faith. That's, you know what, it's a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask her if she wants prayer. And I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing this is going to work or that you're going to get healed, but I'm going to make a step of faith because ultimately the battle belongs to the Lord. And that's what she did, and she got to see God do a great thing. Count goes on, he says, look, you're not gonna have to fight this battle, so just take up your positions, 
stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. All you got to do is show up, march down, stand firm, and watch God do his thing because the battle belongs to him. I know you're afraid. I know you're going to be shaking in your boots, but do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You got to go and face your fear, but the Lord will be with you. And again, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's taking a step in the midst of my fear and saying, I'm going to trust you that God, you're going to take care of this battle, that you're going to fight this battle. So Jehoshaphat, the king, he, he bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Can you imagine the scene? Hundreds of people bowing down in holy desperation for God to come through. And then we have the Levites or the worship leaders. They were the Kohatites and the Korahites. They stood up and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Sometimes it's good to shout out to the Lord with a very loud voice. It's one of the reasons we do music every week, right? We shout out to the Lord. Right? I always tell the sound guys, I say, can you put that music, or I used to, because now they're, they're, they're always, they do a good job. I used to say, can we turn the, turn the music a little louder, because I want to shout out to the Lord, and I don't want other people to have to hear me, right? It's good to shout out to the Lord. It feels good to declare I am powerless and desperate. There's nothing I can do. God, would you move? So yesterday, I was at a wrestling tournament at Williamson High School, all these kids around wrestling. I had my, my, my two younger kids are on the wrestling team and I'm on a mat, right? I'm, I'm on the edge of the mat. The coach is right here. My kids are going at it. They're grappling, right? Sweating. And I'm like, come on, get them, get them. And then at one point, my son's opponent had him pretty good. So I went over and I grabbed his opponent and I lifted. No, I didn't do that. Some of you are like, you still do have a pretty bad anger problem. <laughs> but there's just something about saying, you know what? I'm powerless. I'm powerless to do this on my own. And so all I can do is shout out. And all I can do is declare my dependence on you, the God of the universe. And sometimes it just feels good to shout out to God with a loud voice, and this is exactly what they did. Now remember, this is ancient warfare. This is like 3,000 years ago. They don't have machine guns. They don't have nukes. They don't have tanks or sophisticated fighter jets. They've got thousands of people with pitchforks and swords versus a little army led by Jehoshaphat. And in those days, if you had a smaller army, you were likely going down. All right, so it's time to do battles. So the people are like, all right. All right, we're ready, we're ready. We've inquired from the Lord. We've been fasting. God, this is your battle. We've shouted out, we've worshiped. So early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood up and he said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. And so after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And I just picture all of these people just like, give thanks to the Lord for his love endure. You know, little steps just shaking, 
I'm still singing, but I'm still worried. I'm still afraid because I'm hoping God comes through. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. They were defeated. All they had to do was stand at the top of the valley and look down. They stood firm and God took care of the battle and all of those warriors who just a few moments ago were friends working together turned on one another and every single one of them were defeated by the hand of God. And the text tells us that the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. You know when God fights your battle and wins the victory? It's not just about you. It's about other people hearing about it. Like the story I told you earlier with the headaches, now I'm telling you about it and that story goes out and God ultimately gets all the glory. It's not necessarily about the people of Judah. It's about the glory of God. People are here. Wow, did you hear what their God did? Did you see the amazing work that they, they did? And then the people had peace. So would you consider praying and fasting for your miracle this week? Some of you are doing social media fasts. Some of you are doing junk food fasts. And those are good. Keep doing that. I want to ask you this week to consider doing a food fast if you're able to do it medically. Maybe it's skipping one meal. Maybe skipping two meals. Maybe it's fasting for an entire day or two days. And it's going to be a struggle because your stomach's going to be screaming at you. You're going to be hungry. But in that moment where you're hungry, you're going to say, I'm going to pray for this miracle. Because man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In that moment, you're going to feast on the Lord instead of feasting on that food. My wife on Monday night for Rooted for the ladies' meeting she gave a talk on fasting, and I was able to hear it online, and I'm like, wow, man, she was so good. It was such a great message on fasting, and I love what she said on it. She said, replace it, don't waste it. When you're fasting, the temptation is, oh, I can't wait till midnight, or I can't wait till tomorrow, but that we would take those hunger pains and we would replace it with prayer, that God would deliver me. And God would do a miracle in our midst. So would you consider doing that? Again, if you have a medical issue, you're not able to do that. Maybe there's a, a different thing that you can fast from. Replace that time with prayer. Because this is a spiritual battle. Even though you don't physically have an army around your house, or we can't see an army around this building, there is an army. And it is a battle we cannot see. And it's about time that we go grab that tool of fasting that's been on the shelf, that's been getting dusty, and we pull it off and we say, God, I don't even know if you're going to answer this prayer. I'm, I don't really love fasting, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to fast, and I'm going to pray that you do a remarkable thing. So 900 years after King Jehoshaphat, there was another king who would be surrounded by his enemies. 
And it was the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders who would hurl insults at him and would torture him. And in that moment, Jesus could have called down 12 legions of angels to rescue him, but instead, he allowed them to kill him. He allowed that enemy that was surrounding him to take his own life so that you could be forgiven of your sins, so that you could have the Holy Spirit to deliver you from your enemy. So here's a question. Will you march down? Will you fast and pray for a breakthrough? Maybe it's for your kids. When I was 10, 11 years old and I was struggling with anger, my dad fasted for me. He fasted for me. He was in the scriptures all the time. And I'm not completely healed of that. But I'm not where I was when I was a kid. Would you fast for your kids? You've been trying all the different things and the di- you know, just try to get them to, ah, this is, this is God's battle. It's a spiritual battle. What about your friend? I, I got a friend at the church here who, who told me, he said, I'm fasting for my kids this week. There's nothing I can, I'm just fasting for them. What about the, the person you work with? What about your relative? Maybe it's your parents and you've tried everything you know how to do. Would you pull off the, the tool of fasting? Just give it to God. Let him fight the battle. But it's gonna require discipline. It's gonna require you saying, all right, for a time, even if it's a meal or a day or two days, whatever it may be, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna push it off to the side. Fasting is one of those things that's hard to explain. But over and over again, God uses it to deliver his people from some big things. Would you consider doing that? I know you don't wanna do it, but I know you want a miracle. And maybe this is the avenue. See, I can't guarantee you that you're going to get your miracle, but I can guarantee you that you'll get more of Jesus. And that's the best thing anyway. So some of you, worship teams that come up right now, you guys come up, and we're going to close with a couple of songs. We've got about, we've got a few minutes left in the service here. And Some of you, God's pricking your heart a little bit. Just come forward, like march down. This is your step of faith. I'm just gonna march down. And we've got some people prepared to pray for you that you would experience a breakthrough or a miracle. Others of you are just gonna ask you to remain in your seat and just, you could shout out, sing these songs if you want. You can listen to it. Just pray. Pray for your miracle. Maybe it's a neighbor, friend, kid. This is your moment. This is our moment as a church where we're going to do battle. We're going to do battle because there is an army of spiritual forces that have surrounded us and Jesus gave us the weapons of prayer and fasting. So we're going to pray and we're going to say to Satan, no, 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 you you can't have my kid anymore. You can't have my wife or my husband anymore. Because Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I'm going to stop being ruled by all my lusts and my passions and by the things that rule my life. I'm going to put them aside. Because I'm tired and I'm exhausted of doing things my way. So Jesus, would you come? And would you do what only you know how to do? Because I'm tired of fighting. And I'm here to say that I don't know what to do, but I got my eyes on you. And the battle 
is yours. So Jesus, would you fight? I'll march down. I'll take whatever step you want me to take. But this is your battle. So let's do that right now as a church. I'm telling you, come on up. We'll pray for you. Don't be shy. Be willing to march down. Others of you, stay in your seats. Let's pray. Let's spend the next 10 minutes doing some battle. Amen? Let's worship the Lord together. So the question that we ask is, do you believe that God can work a miracle in your life? And it's true that he truly can. And so we are just privileged to be able to bring you these episodes week after week. And we're praying that this has been a blessing to you and it's encouraged you and it's challenged you to take your next step with Jesus. And so until we're together again, thank you so much for joining in on this episode of the Baritone Road Alliance Church Podcast.